Hello again, Arnie, Marjorie, and Jacob. I want to play a game. You passed the first tests, reviewing the six films in the Saw series. But now your final challenge awaits. We need to talk, we need to think. See what I see in 3D. This will be our final encounter and will be filled with spoilers and harsh language. Live or die, make your choice. Today we're discussing Saw 3D, starring Tobin Bell, Costas Mandalore, Betsy Russell, Sean Patrick Flannery, and Carrie Elways, directed by Kevin Grudert. I'm Arnie, host of Now Playing. I'm Marjorie, sometime guest on Now Playing. So Marjorie, are you crazier than a sack full of cats? I am. Thought so. And this is Jacob. And haven't we already reviewed Saw 3? Why are we doing Saw 3 again? 3D. Oh. Oh. D. Whoops. I, I just watched Saw 3 again. I, I missed the D part. So this might be an interesting conversation. Well, now, technically, I guess if it's Saw 3D, I assume it's bullet point D. We're missing A, B, and C. And so <laughs> this should go in between 3 and 4. Don't give George Lucas any ideas, though. Well, all these movies, you know, they, they've always messed with the time and sometimes they begin with the end. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this was like one that came in right between three and four. The way four came between one and three. <laughs> well, they cheat and I'll get into that. Well, before we get into this movie, first of all, I would like to share with our listeners something a listener shared with me and has plagued me and my wife for a long oh, time. Oh, God, Theo, I am going to kick you in the shins if I ever see you. Apparently, you can take the saw theme and sing, Mandalore, Mandalore, Costas Mandalore, 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 Costas Mandalore, which I have been doing all week long now. Yeah, and I'm so going to punch you. See, I went back. We rewatched all six Saw films in preparation of Saw 7. Did your priest have a marathon this year, Jacob? Did you go? You know what? I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks, so I don't know. And I don't have the dedication you did. I did not review all the Saw movies before this. I, I think I went in as the average viewer where, yeah, I saw this movie like a year ago. We'll see how much I remember. <laughs> See, these movies had been so tightly intertwined, I didn't trust myself to remember. So I went back and saw all of these films again, including the ones I didn't recommend as well as the ones I did. Well, you can't watch them out of order because that will just mess with your mind. And I mean, as I said at our Saw 6 podcast, this is the only series that has such tightly interwoven characters. My new equation is it's like Melrose Place with flying intestines. No, 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 no. It is more like Days of Our Lives, in my opinion, because Stefano was still alive. But this is supposedly the last in the Saw franchise, Saw 7. And I think that is going to depend on what we see Monday for the box office results. That's what it always depends on. I mean, yeah. if this ends up making $100 million, they will make another one. We'll talk about if they set it up so they can make another one. They intend this to be the last one. Yes, if this is insanely profitable, they may do another one in a couple of years. But previously, they'd always had a Saw in pre-production before the next was released. So Saw 7 was in pre-production before Saw 6 bombed, and it really did bomb. It made, in its entire theatrical run, what the others made their opening weekend. Okay, but in 
all fairness, there was a bit of a viral movie going on at that time, Paranormal Activity, which had the kind of Blair Witch marketing, is this real, is it not real kind of thing going on. And I'm sorry, Americans, you're suckers for that. You know it's not real. Quit pandering to that. So going into this, did you guys have any expectations or hopes for what you wanted to see in the final Saw movie? Okay, I did. Let me tell you what I wanted to see, because... First of all, until about a week and a half ago, I saw no trailers for this on TV, no advertising on the internet, really. Just nothing. And the trailers that they had on television didn't show the movie. They were, like, showing the audience watching saw blades fly at them from the yes. screen. Yeah, I was shocked. For, first of all, I wouldn't even know this movie was had come out unless I was doing this podcast and Arnie had reminded me, hey, make sure to see Saw 3D this week uh, so we could do the review. But, yeah, the, I, I did see some of the trailers on TV and I'm like, oh, is this a, like a, one of those new 4D rides at Universal Studios or something? Because it was all about the audience the traps wrapping around them. It was very weird advertising. I really expected an awesome 3D experience because there is really only one genre where I think 3D really works and you get that payoff and that's horror. Yeah, that worked so well for my bloody Valentine Okay, that movie just sucked, period. Okay, (laughs) forget that movie. But like Piranha 3D, they used it so well. It was so tongue-in-cheek and laughing. It was great. I mean, it was overused and horror is the one genre I think can really make 3D go. I think action can do it as well. I don't necessarily need to see I terms beg- of 3 dement I, I beg to differ <laughs> because that Nicolas Cage trailer we saw that was in 3D looked like shit. I thought it looked awesome because it looked so bad. But I think horror can really use it. And I was so excited because the traps come alive. I thought, oh, God, this is going to be really good. They're really going to go out on a high note. Because remember, when we were all at Comic-Con, they were really pushing Saw 3D. And the subtitle there was The Traps Come Alive. I mean, as far as my expectations going to this, they were low because you could listen to the previous uh, Saw podcast. Uh, I think I recommended two out of the six, but not my favorite series. I didn't have a lot of expectations going in. But my one expectation was because of that, The Traps Come Alive tag. Line. And I saw it on a few posters. I guess they dropped it from the title that it was supposed to be in. But I expected them to engage the audience more in the traps, somehow make it so it seems like the audience is in one of Jigsaw's traps. Or like in the previous films, a lot of times the plot was about one person. They'd have to free someone else. So I thought maybe somehow they'd incorporate the audience into that. Do something creative. I mean, they put 3D in the title. That they, It's not even Saw 7 or Saw anything. It's Saw 3D. That like That's its whole gimmick. So I was hoping they'd really incorporate the audience and the 3D experience in that, even though, yeah, I know it's a Saw movie and I I guess that that was my one expectation. It's kind of ambitious, but that's what I was expecting. I was just hoping for some satisfying resolution. It was no secret going in that Carrie Elways had returned. And that was something I was really looking forward to. They must have written him a big check because he was very mad about the box office receipt split for the first one. And his return, this thing is so incestuous with its plot and who is killing who and who's Jigsaw working with that I was really looking forward to a great mindfuck. I wanted to know what the hell Jigsaw wrote in Shawnee Smith's original envelope, and I just wanted a satisfying resolution to this overarching mystery and whodunit that had been going on the past three movies. I think you're thinking too hard. But these movies are the thinking man's horror because, again, it's an active experience to watch a Saw film. You're thinking, what's the twist? What's going on? But they cheat. And so when they started cheating, 
I stopped caring about that, and it was just fun to watch the traps. You know, they kept building, and this is Jigsaw. He has this legacy, and he's changing the world by changing people's perspective. And so I was hoping for some big reveal with what his whole plan was this whole time. It's like these people go and carry on his plan. Because didn't he die, what was it, in three that yep. Jigsaw actually mm-hmm. passed away? So I, you know, so we had three films after that where people carried on his legacy. I saw, and I, I saw, I don't know if you guys saw this movie poster first saw 3D, but it's like this huge giant, you know, Tobin Bell Jigsaw's monument, like the Michael Jackson one, uh, <laughs> being built. So, and they kind of hinted to that in Saw Six that there's this bigger picture that Jigsaw had. So I, was, that's what I was hoping for is that we'd finally get his big picture, what he was doing, because yeah, he was focusing on all these separate people one at a time trying to change their lives, showing them, you know, that there's more to life than giving predatory loans or cheating on your spouse or whatever. And I was so I was hoping for some resolution there that, you know, finally the big jigsaw for presidents revealed or whatever, whatever his plan was. I also wanted a resolution to Jill's part in all of this, because remember, it's always been very iffy where she stood. She and John were divorced. And she seemed to be innocent, yet she'd been married to him. But then she had thrown the trap on Costas Mandalore's Hoffman last movie. So I really wanted to know what was going on with her and her whole role in it. I I expected for the final one, a flashback of Palooza, because that's what the previous ones had been, that really, again, told me everything I knew was wrong. But here's how it really is once and for all. Carrie Elways is involved, and that is the end. But I thought Jill was going to be the person against Hoffman this time because I always felt that with the box that she got and everything, she was the one who was supposed to stop him when Jigsaw died because Jigsaw knew he was crazy and unstable. And maybe I'm thinking about this too much because I really like to turn off my brain sometimes with these movies. Well, let's get into the movie. We start off right back at the end of Saw 1. Dr. Lawrence Gordon is there, footless, dragging himself through the hallways outside of the shit-filled bathroom with his leg wound bleeding and he cauterizes it against a hot water pipe. Which I don't think those are hot enough to cauterize a wound, but okay. You just have to throw medical knowledge out the window with this movie. I actually kind of smiled. I like that he cauter- took the time to cauterize the wound. Like, that they thought of that. I like that. Well, he's got to stop bleeding. He's a doctor. <laughs> that scene had me squirming. Just, oh, the pain. The, just the sheer pain. The witnessing of pain. But let me ask you guys. Given that Carrie Elways is in the opening scene of the movie, and given that Carrie Elways is such a non-entity in this movie, he shows up once again in the middle to say, remember, Carrie Elways is in this movie, and then he shows up at the end. Did this kind of set us up for something that the movie wasn't going to be? Did you guys also expect Carrie Elways to be a much larger part, given that this was the opening? Yes. Totally. Like, I, I was actually excited when it opened with him. I'm like, yes! Because that that was a character that I wanted to see in the other films. Like, I, I kept thinking he was going to pop up. We thought it would have been great, I believe, in Saw 4, when they had the lawyer running the machines, if that was Carrie Elways running the machines. Yeah. And, and so I, I was excited. I'm like, they're actually using him in this film, because I knew he was in it. Didn't know to what extent. I'm like, okay, this film is going to be about him. It's going to be about, you know, I don't know if he's going to be trying to get revenge on Jigsaw or what, but Yes, here he is. I was excited. And then you hardly see him again. It might have been because it looked like he'd put on 30 or 40 pounds since the original film. (laughs) I I think he's hanging out with Val Kilmer. (laughs) 
Well, in addition to watching all of the Saw films to prepare for Saw 7, I have also immersed myself in the commentaries for Saw. And let me just say the world is unfair when the Star Wars movies have one commentary track that George Lucas cameos on and Ben Burt talks about sound effects. But the Saw films all have a minimum of two commentaries and one of them, Saw 3, has six. Perhaps this is your jigsaw trap because I was going to say the traps have come alive for you, Arnie, (laughs) sitting through all the movies, sitting through all the commentary tracks, re-listening to all the podcasts. The traps have come alive. Yeah, he's a bit of a masochist. (laughs) And and you wonder why I'm going around Mandalore, Mandalore, Costas, Mandalore. But what this reminds me of this opening with Dr. Gordon is the beginning of Saw 3. At the end of Saw 2, we saw Donnie Wahlberg chained up in the bathroom. Saw 3 opens, Donnie Wahlberg's breaking the shit out of his foot. And then we don't see Donnie Wahlberg again, except for when little Amanda beats the shit out of him. What they said in the commentary for that was that Donnie Wahlberg breaking his foot scene was supposed to come much later in the movie. They decided to open with it to get people right in. I wonder if this Dr. Gordon scene was a flashback that was supposed to come later on and they opened with it. And that may have been a mistake because I expected him then to be a big part of this movie. And I was sorely disappointed because I wanted that. I wanted that character to come back in a big way and he doesn't and the movie i get is never as good as the movie i imagined from this opening scene well arnie you also went into this with high expectations well because carrie elways was back he's a brit he's a great actor because whoa, he's a brit. whoa 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 the man is not a good actor he's british right well yes he is well then therefore he is smart and a good actor <laughs> i beg to differ because the best thing about carrie elways besides his fluctuating weight it is fluctuating accent Yes, that is the best part. And he overdoes everything like he's playing in some Shakespeare play. Because he's British. Yes, exactly. No, I I just got to say, again, I went into this movie just thinking I was going to hate the hell out of it. And I'm glad it or I I think at least it was a good move that they opened up with this Carrie Elway scene because it turned my attitude around right away. It got me. Ooh, I'm excited about this movie that I was dreading all of a sudden. Now (laughs) that goes away because he doesn't show up for (laughs) another hour for a little cameo but it got me into the movie right away so I, I it was effective to change my attitude and get me to be a little bit more excited now that goes away like we said because he doesn't show up a whole lot but I, I think a lot of people into this whole saw franchise i think that will get him excited right away and going into this movie yeah it did me but i'm just saying it, it's kind of a bait and switch it's like when they have that great washing machine on sale for a hundred dollars but there's only one in the store it's the black friday of saw movies it is <laughs> Yes, it is. It is. It's the we have carryaways in big letters, but he's only here for five minutes in tiny letters. So we then cut immediately to the opening trap because they always like to start with a trap. And I honestly, this also set my expectations high because one thing about the Saw films, they've all been very low budget. They've all been very small films, right? I can't recall hardly any outdoor shots. I think there was the scene where the new kid was walking on like the pier with his son, but everything else has been pretty much indoors. We are like in Manhattan at the Apple store here is what it looked like. I was thinking that exact same thing, like because the Apple store, if if the listeners don't know, it's in Manhattan is a big open glass all around it where you could see into it. And yeah, I'm like, where is this taking place? This is not the saw town that I'm used to. That's full of dark, dungy, empty buildings and gangs that have eight block radiuses. Radii. (laughs) Yeah. All of a sudden they're in a big, clean city. Yeah. It was daylight. Daylight's unusual in the saw films, period. And in it, we get our first trap. 
we have two guys, Ryan and Brad, tied to a work table. I kind of got that they might be teenagers because it looked like they were in shop class because there was the big... I think, no, Arnie, that was part of this, the trap. Okay. Because that area looked like it was set up like a window display, like at a Macy's or something. Mm -hmm. And they were dressed for the window display. Because if you didn't know, walking by, these two guys passed out, it'd be a window display. Above them, suspended, is Dina, their girlfriend. Of course, she's two-timing them and using them. Apparently, they are being made to break the law to steal stuff for this woman. And the key is that they can save her if one pushes the saw blade into the other, but the third saw blade is rising towards Dina above them, and if they don't kill each other, then she will be cut in half. Much like King Solomon, if they cannot choose who gets the girl, the girl will be cut in half and both will get some. Well, I don't think they're going to both get any of her, but I mean, they'll get to keep the body. They could be into some freaky stuff. That's true. There are some weird people in the world. I kind of liked this trap, and I really liked the resolution. Well, I'd hope they would come to that resolution. <laughs> She's a two-time in ho. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that if I found out this was a reverse situation and I was fighting with some girl you'd also been screwing, yeah, you're going to get it. <laughs> Thanks Sorry. A couple of things about this scene. It, it, one, I mean, we talked about how it's set in this public place, which it, it just seemed weird because all these people start watching it and... They're filming it with their cell phones, too. And, and here's the thing now. The original Saw, that, that was 2004, right? Yes. Okay, and, and we never know. I mean, all these films have taken a place around. There's not a lot of time span that I could figure out. These are all around 2004, 2005. That was a big thing we went into before is how long passed. And yeah, it, it seems like it, this shouldn't be in 2010 because this one kind of picks up later on right where Six left off. Well, and, and here's my thing. I, I knew it wasn't 2010 because... Not everyone has a cell phone. And there's no iPhone. Exactly. There's no iPhones. Everyone's pulling out like those old flip phones. Yeah, that lady had like an old Samsung flip, which yeah. shouldn't have video. It really would only have pictures. Well, maybe she's just taking them a yeah. bunch of the time. She's going to make an, an animated. Uh, well, and honestly, if it was 2010, someone would have whipped out a flip cam. Yeah. And, and so like that, that, that kind of just jarred me for a moment. I'm like, okay, that's right. These aren't taking place during our time, which is weird. Oh, this is only like five years ago, but how much stuff has changed? <laughs> I like that they keep to that, though, and that they didn't have everyone pulling out an iPhone. No, I, I was actually really impressed once I kind of got myself oriented in what time this was taking place. And I'm like, wow, that's actually they actually either they just didn't have the budget for a bunch of iPhones or they actually paid attention to when this film was supposed to be taking place. What year? But uh, when we get into the gore of this film and the violence, the, the other ones just seemed a, a little too dark and, and, and gory. The violence overall in this one, it starts with this opening scene, seemed much more B-movie to me. But when they actually saw this woman in half, I actually kind of laughed the way it starts spraying on each of the guys and it sprays out towards this window and the people watching this uh, in the crowd kind of all gasp. It, it almost kind of came off as B-movie to me and that actually kind of made me smile like it wasn't trying to take itself so seriously this time. I was really hoping because I was seeing it in 3D and you didn't see it in 3D, Jacob, but I was really hoping to see at that point like the blood and guts fly at me. Didn't they have one little piece of intestines? I could tell from my 2D print that they had a piece of intestines that was supposed to be the 3D effect. A bit of gore flew at us. Yeah, but, but. It, I mean, I was really expecting more from that. Because if any genre is going to milk it, it's going to be horror and it's going to be great. But no, didn't get it. The use of 3D in this film was what I would consider subtle compared to Piranha 3D, where I got to see a dick floating in my face and then a <laughs> piranha eating it. 
Here, the use of the 3D was all in the saw. When the saw was going at Dina on the ceiling, the saw was kind of coming at me. And when they'd show it at different angles, it would show depth. I think somebody saw Avatar and went, ah, the trick is to not poke things in their face, but to establish depth. But this is the kind of movie you want stuff to poke in your face. And I'll talk about it when we progress through the traps of this movie. I was really disappointed in the 3D. But I do agree with you, Jacob, that this scene struck me as they were trying to be funny, which I had never gotten from a Saw film before was this level of slapstick when uh, Saw hits Dina and it squirts the guys and they're like going, eh, and everything. It was funny. And I don't recall... I didn't think it was funny or slapstick at all, actually. I thought... I mean, that's what would happen if you cut something with a saw. Yeah, but they, the way they play it, the way they made everyone react and the people watching you all gasp and, and take a step back, it, it did seem to be more lighthearted than the previous films. It did. It felt much more like one of the more fun kind of horror films that we've been reviewing than kind of the dark torture porn that Saw is considered. Did you guys think that the reason these people were in the trap was lame compared to the other people? Absolutely. I mean, in the past, Jigsaw was going after drug addicts and things. Here, you are petty thieves who stole for your woman. Yeah. That was lame. Come on. She's just a two-time and hoe. Now, Jigsaw has become relationship therapist. He's the Dr. Phil of torture. That sounds so awesome, though. (laughs) Arnie, did that change in tone? Did that affect you in any way because of you had just spent so much time watching the Saw previous Saw films? Did that work for you, not work for you? It worked for me. I went with it because after the last one where it was all about the insurance agent and the predatory lenders, that was unintentional comedy. I don't think the movie was winking at me with that. I think they were trying to be socially relevant and failing miserably. I would much rather prefer them to finally get a sense of self-humor. It's Given that this was the last one, if they were going to start being a little bit more fun and jokey and not so self-serious, I would go with it because you can't get lightning in a bottle again and again. They'll never recapture just the sheer shock and awe of that first one where you open up, you're in the bathroom, and it ends with cutting off a foot and all of that. If you can't truly horrify me, then yeah, let's make it a fun ride. And given that, as you said, Jacob, the ads made it look like it was something at Universal Studios anyway, I was going to be down with it. Unfortunately, as we'll discuss, I don't think that tone stuck. It seemed to be there for this scene, but it didn't continue. See, I I think they just didn't go far enough. I I think they kind of played with this self-depreciating humor. I I don't know. Maybe humor is not the right word, but kind of poking fun at it uh, at itself i it doesn't go far enough and they don't they, they do go back into that darker typical saw mood and tone that we would expect i i wish they would have kept it up though because i enjoyed this opening kill and i couldn't help but think marjorie in all the previous podcasts you talked about how intestines must be cheap for special effects they I, are i thought just about you when we got to see dina's entire large intestine flop onto the ground yes well and it turns out they're director was in Newsweek, which I guess gives him some credibility because they talked about Saw in Newsweek. And I was right. Pig intestines are very cheap to get from a slaughterhouse. They do not go into your hot dogs. I just think that perhaps Kevin listened to our previous Saw podcast and threw an extra intestine shot in just for you. Yeah, maybe he did. I like the way they bounced on the floor. 
I did think Dina played it wrong because she's all like, Ryan, Ryan, I love you. Kill Brad. And Brad's like, what, you bitch? And she's like, wait, Brad, Brad, I love you. Whoever what are you, you going to do when a saw is coming at your stomach, though? Stick to one of them. It was the fact that she flip-flopped. She's obviously not that bright. That got her killed. The other thing that bothered me, this connected to nothing at all in the movie, did it? Every other- It was just a trap. Sometimes they don't all connect. They always connect. They always connect because it may be minor, but the pit in the pendulum was the guy who killed Hoffman's sister. Okay, but wait a second. That was before Hoffman was in with Jigsaw. And- Uh, the the, The fat man in the barbed wire was not connected to anybody. But they bring him back, though, and use it for clues. Yeah. They always connect. And in this one, that never got brought up again, except that we get to see Ryan and Brad in the survivors group later on. Here's my problem with this opening scene. As much as I liked it, when I look at this as a whole film, why did this trap take place? Now, there's some other traps. They had a purpose for Hoffman going and doing that. But I don't, I'm not even sure when this trap takes place, because last we saw Hoffman, he was in the reverse bear trap, had just escaped. It was dark and in a a dank warehouse and gloomy and all that. And, and so I just wasn't sure when would it did this happen? This happened. Was this a flashback as Saw is prone to do just to some trap that they did previously? Because there is no connection for this trap in, later in the film. It could have even been when Jigsaw was alive because later on, Jigsaw says he's been doing this for years. So maybe this was one of Jigsaw's things. It was Tobin Bell's voice maybe, on the tape. Maybe it was a setup for the survivors group. But they, they pulled in people from different films for that too. So they, they did, really but they it. also don't count on you watching all the Saw movies previously. <laughs> you know, and I, I noticed that with this film, and maybe we could talk about that, is this film very much seemed to be like, hey, if you saw the first one, which was the good one, and didn't see any of the other ones, we're, we're going to try to set this one up for you guys so you don't have to see the, the other ones. And I felt so fucking cheated because I just sat through them all because <laughs> none of the others were like that. They were all requiring the homework of the previous films. And this one, I think that's why it's not called Saw 7, is because they didn't want you to think you had to see Saw 4, 5, and 6. They went into this and you didn't have to. So it was set up, in my opinion, for the survivor group because there's not guaranteeing that you would remember the girl who cut her own arm off or the guy, the drug addict guy who sliced his hand. I did notice Julie Benz wasn't there. That's probably because she's on a hit TV show right now. The other girl that sliced her hand open. I know. I really wanted her to be there. She was terrible. Yeah, she's a I, bad I, actress. But she was the one of the stars of the one. The heroin guy was there. I noticed. I said open. that. The drug addict. So if you didn't see the others, this is a setup for the survivor group. If you didn't recognize them immediately, you're like, oh, those two guys are from the beginning of the movie. It's a Saw Cliff Notes. Then we see the ending of Saw 6 again, as you mentioned, Jacob, where Jill puts the reverse bear trap on Hoffman's head. And if you're seeing this in 3D, folks, here is an object lesson in post-conversion 3D versus filmed in 3D. Because immediately in my 3D showing, I'm like, wow, there's like no depth to this at all. It felt so much worse. And that's because they had to take the 2D Saw 6 footage and convert it to 3D, whereas the rest of the movie was filmed in 3D. So anytime you see these flashbacks, if it doesn't feel as deep, no, that's not an artistic choice to make flashbacks feel less deep. It's just post-conversion 3D versus real 3D and why only real 3D films, except for Star Wars, should be seen. And we finally get to see that Hoffman did suture his own face. I was wondering about that with the flap of skin hanging down at the end of six. That creeped me out. I cannot stand watching people give stitches or give stitches to themselves or get stitches at all. That is the one thing that creeps me out. And I don't know why 
I, I can take blood and guts and eye pokings and I'm a fan of intestines flying around in horror movies, but I cannot take stitches. All I could think of was that they're trying to allude to Heath Ledger's The Joker because he had those scars along his mouth. And I don't know that it just reminded me of that. They're like, hey, people really like The Joker. Let's make them kind of look like that. I haven't gone back and watched the first Saw film. They gave Shawnee Smith those markings long before Heath Ledger had them. So, they did because that bear okay. trap, apparently to get it in your mouth, you do have to kind of split at the corners of your mouth. So I, it was just being consistent, but I could see why Heath Ledger comes to your mind far more than Shawnee Smith. But I thought that that scene, I think it cemented the fact that Hoffman is fucking nuts <laughs> because you got to be fucking nuts to do your own stitches, especially in that jig jag scar he's got there. But I think that cemented his insanity because I figured ever since Jigsaw died, the thing is that Costas Mandalore is taking over and he's fucking nuts and doing it wrong. He's just like off the charts nuts. And I think this cemented it. Yeah, because one of the big things from the first few films was Jigsaw's not a killer. No. He just makes others ch make choices. Well, Hoffman's a killer. Yeah. And he sets the unwinnable traps. And as we're going to get into, he just eventually becomes a much more classical psychopath than Jigsaw ever was. And one of the things, Arnie, you said this is the thinking man's horror movie. And so, of course, I'm always trying to figure out where are they going? What's what's this scene leading to? And I actually thought maybe with Hoffman, if you guys have seen Punisher or, or know about the Punisher in comics, he has a villain named Jigsaw whose face is all torn up and stitched together. And so I thought maybe this was going to be an ongoing theme with Hoffman, that he was going to become like this physical embodiment of a Jigsaw puzzle where his face was just all stitched together because traps keep going wrong or people are going after him. I, I thought they were going to do something maybe kind of cool like that. That would be cool. Yeah. This scene, though, sets up the major conflict of Hoffman versus Jill. Now, I, I guess that was alluded to at the end of the last one when Jill puts the bear trap on Hoffman, but I kind of felt like Jill was doing that because of John's wishes, because John left her the box and all of these envelopes, and one of the envelopes was Hoffman, and so Jigsaw was saying, test Hoffman, kill Hoffman. I thought he was saying kill him because he's gone off the deep end, and my work cannot continue after my death. Well, you know... He's it, not it's, a worthy it, apprentice. Jigsaw abhors murder. He doesn't want to kill anyone. I don't think Jigsaw would ever say kill Hoffman. Jigsaw would say test Hoffman, and if Hoffman is worthy, then Hoffman will live. And Hoffman passes his test. So I almost wondered if these people are so fucked up in their morality that he'd go, well done, Jill. You tested me. I passed. Moving on. But no, now he is ready to give up everything to fuck up Jill. And I really thought Jill was setting herself up at the end of the last film to be the next Jigsaw, kind of like Hoffman took over. And, and, and I thought Jill was going to embrace that legacy. And so I was surprised when this turned into a Hoffman versus Jill movie where he's just stalking her and going after her and just wants to kill her. That was disappointing. I think that Jill should have been the next Jigsaw because God knows there's been so many people helping Jigsaw. In part one, it's supposed to just be John. And then in part two, it's John and Shawnee Smith. And then in part four, it's John, Shawnee Smith, and Hoffman. And to make Jill part of it, given that we've had three full movies of what is Jill's deal, to make her the next Jigsaw would have been the right thing to do, I think. Especially to have Jigsaw versus Jigsaw, whose traps are better, right? But instead, she does the lamest plot twist ever and goes to internal affairs to get the cops involved because she doesn't trust the cops. She doesn't trust the FBI after Strom. So now she goes to internal affairs to get brand new cops on it. 
Well, what I find really hard to believe is this town has the worst FBI and worst police force in the entire world because they know this guy, there's some jigsaw serial killer out there, enough that there's a survivor group. And I can't believe that every single FBI agent that knew Hoffman was it or on the track to Hoffman was killed in the fire from the last one. Don't they have backups of that shit? I, I really think that somewhere along the line, someone would have said, hey, that building burned down. Maybe we should review the backup tapes because that's kind of weird and suspicious that somebody goes stab all the FBI agents in this little computer office and then burn it to the ground. They may not have backups. Cameras are not great security. No, 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 no. I mean, backups of the hard drives, uh, well, everything like that. This is, this is 2004, 2005. Right. You're right. Business have... con- continuity plans did not exist yes. until, you know, recently. It's the FBI. Oh, wait, they fumble a lot. Never mind. I just was disappointed because here's the last one in the series, right? And I thought this was a great chance. They got Carrie Elways back. I didn't think that they needed to start introducing all of these new characters. So for her to go to these internal affairs and to get Gibson involved, I just felt like, oh boy, it's like we're starting over. I wanted a bow put on this series. Instead, we're introduced to new cops. It seems like all the time we're introduced to new cops. All the other cops died in the last movie, Arnie. <laughs> that is true. I mean, we can't. Every single one of them. Well, they brought back Danny Glover's character for the video game. So. Okay, now I have to ask you a question about Gibson. Do you guys feel that he was channeling his best Matthew McConaughey? I, I was going to say, bad actor or worst actor ever? <laughs> Like that guy, like I, again, going back to kind of the self parody thing, like I thought his acting was part of this, like, we're just going to poke fun at our series because he's so like over the top and just bad. I'm like, am I watching a Saturday Saturday Night Live skit? What is going on with some of these scenes with him in it? I really thought he was trying to be Matthew McConaughey in like Dazed and Confused because I I just expected him to go, all right, all right, all right. The thing that I kept getting off of him, and I didn't know why I had this vibe, but I'm like, this just seems like one of the people we'd see in Smallville, the TV show. It turns out he was. He was like a guest <laughs> of Smallville in 2001. Wait, let me guess. He was the, the kid who showed up strangely and was there when the meteor hit years ago. Yeah, he and was, he turned out to be the villain that episode. He did. He was Bug Oh, Boy. my God. I can Isn't write that TV. the plot of every Smallville? It is. That's the joke. But yeah, he was terrible. And I I just kept thinking Smallville and I couldn't figure out why somewhere in the back of my mind, I must have recognized him. But no, I was like, oh boy, they're they're doing the cop thing again. We'd seen this time and time again. How else is he going to be caught? How else is he going to be caught? He should be caught by Jill. The police story has always been an integral part of this. But now that he's killed just about every cop. Yeah, they're really offering sign-on bonuses in that town to join the police force. And the FBI. Yes. And my thing is, again, and we'll get into this plot this plot point soon, is with the survivors group. Again, this whole time they've been building up to Jigsaw's legacy. I want like a battle royale of possible Jigsaw successors. You know, you got Hoffman, you got Jill, you got these other survivors that all want to take over the role. Like, let's have some like big Jigsaw mastermind where they all put each other in some traps. And whoever gets out of them is the winner and they get to take over the legacy. I don't want the cops anymore. That would be great. I would love that. Yes, like I said earlier, Jigsaw versus Jigsaw. Jill Hoffman, Carrie Elways, bring in whoever you want. Maybe Amanda's not really dead either. She survived the throat shot and she just talks like this, like a smoker. Maybe give her one of those uh, larynx boxes. But... (laughs) 
I would go for this. But after six movies pegging law enforcement as inept, you can't all of a sudden make them the savior. Fortunately, they didn't. But after, again, six movies, Jill's like, well, I'll go to the cops. Maybe they'll work this time. She should be smarter than that. True. So then she says that she knows all about it. But then... Yeah. Again, something else that bothered me, I'm. this is, you know, Arnie's legal advice portion of the Saw podcast series, as I've been given before. Don't tell your lawyer if you did it. Here, the police cannot make deals to not prosecute you because the police don't prosecute you. That would be the DA's office. So if the police make you a deal, that is not worth the paper it's written on because did you notice it wasn't written on anything either? Look, they didn't want to bore us with the legal details of it. I mean, is it is it fun and suspenseful to watch somebody sign a sworn affidavit? No, <laughs> it's not, Arnie. Maybe you think that's fun and exciting. Maybe there could be a horror movie about legal documents. Sign this lien to your house or I will kill you. Yeah, I mean. Wasn't that Saw 6? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So then we get past this scene. The police do what they can't do. I get maybe they can do this in Canada. Maybe in Canada the police can make deals. Was this filmed in Vancouver? Toronto, actually. Oh, hmm. That's a nice change up. And we get to see Bobby Dagan, Jigsaw Survivor, self-help guru. Now, because I just watched these last six movies with Arnie, the first thing that goes in my head, I'm like, this guy wasn't in any of the movies. Who was he? I don't remember. He's, he must be lying. This must be a fake. And this is a, the whole plot of the movie is. Damn it, I figured it out. Well, I, I got to say, I knew it was a fake as soon as they introduced him. I, I knew what was going on. But again, going back to that kind of self-parody thing, I actually liked this plot point that, yeah, we're going to have this guy that was may or may not be a Jigsaw survivor and he's going to start this self-help group and totally cash in on it like i really kind of like that self-awareness that this film had regarding you know what the whole saw thing is what their whole gimmick is i don't know how well the execution was but i i did like that they brought this character in and brought this whole plot in I was straining because I just watched all these films and I was, I was kicking myself like, damn it. You just watched all of these movies and you can't remember him. Why did you spend the time if you can't remember him? Yeah. And my mind immediately went to, he's a faker. And then I'm like, wait a second. If he was really in one of the previous movies, then they would have had that sound and shown us quick flashbacks to remind us which trap he was in. True. And the fact that they didn't show a flashback made me go, okay, he's new. He's probably faking. And maybe I just don't trust this guy because he played Stilson on the Dead Zone TV series. And so, Is that where I recognized him from? Yeah. And so he was instantly coming off as slimy to me because he was going to be the president who nuked the Earth. But... I suddenly went to, yeah, he's faking. And it turned out, yeah, he was faking. But Now, what kind of talk show was that? I can't imagine, first of all, any talk show where they want the gruesome details of what you had to do. A daytime talk show. Because that is not Kelly and Regis. No, but it, it could be The View. I don't know. I've never seen that show, to be honest. Do you watch The View, Arnie? Is there something you want to tell us? I watch The Soup, which shows The View sometimes. <laughs> That's true. That's not My knowledge of the, most talk shows comes from Joe McHale. <laughs> I know. <laughs> The only thing about this plot is it reminded me a little bit too much of what they did with Dr. Loomis in the Halloween 2 film that came out a while ago where he was writing the books and on the book tour. But he wasn't faking it. He wasn't faking it, but it just the whole let's parody media now. You know, last time they went after the predatory lenders here, they're going after James Frey. Here's why it worked for me, though. Arnie, you should know this because you listen to all the old podcasts to prep for this. But one of the things I wanted to see was this cult of Jigsaw where there were the survivors and they embraced 
embraced what they went through and they would help Jigsaw carry on his legacy. So that's why I like this because, you know, there's so many, I don't know if it's religious undertones to what Jigsaw is doing, but this whole, like, it makes me think of Spanish Inquisition monks that would whip themselves as uh, penance. That's kind of just the weird tone I get that, that you have to go through this extreme violence to really save yourself and know who you are. And, and so I, I kind of like that someone's going to finally cash in on that. It seems like what Jigsaw does is so extreme that more and more people would know about it and I never really got that sense in a lot of the films. It, it was still like the cops were keeping it quiet and no one really knew about Jigsaw and they should watch out. You know, if they see someone in a pig mask, they might be in trouble. There didn't seem to be that self-awareness. So that's what I liked about this, that finally, yeah, people know about Jigsaw and know about the traps and they're finally, they're becoming self-aware of what's going on in their town. But I think this guy violated the number one rule of writing a fake book as he should have waited until Jigsaw was done. Obviously, this shit's still going on, and he wrote it anyway. I think that's just asking for what he got. Well, this goes back to the timeline, because in the only Tobin Bell scene in the entire movie, which sucked, because we needed more Tobin, he is a, he's great. He's great. I he, love he him. He is a good guy. He plays that character really well, I think. Yeah, and we get to see that Jigsaw went to one of Bobby's book signings and played the creepy guy at the book signing. There's always one. So this obviously happened a long time ago, like before Saw 1 even, I would think. So why all this is happening? I don't think it happened before Saw 1. I think it did because this was shaved head Tobin Bell, which was around the salvation of Amanda. Did he have hair in the book signing? It's it's so hard to tell when this You know what? In three weeks, someone will have a good timeline up, so we just need to wait. (laughs) But it could have been before Saw 1. Like, after he killed the drug addict, went into the razor wire, he started testing others, the fat guy with the stomach acid and everything. So I think this might have been one of the around the earlier time. The thing that gets me is, you know, you don't really need a faker, first of all, because look at these Chilean miners. They're demanding $10 million to go on a talk show. Wouldn't you? Well, that's the thing is you don't even- They were trapped underground for like three months. You don't even have to be media savvy when you come out of something that's a big news story. The offers come to you. So you'd think that one of the people, perhaps the winner of Scream Queens who cut her arm off or something, would have already had this. Second of all, how could you fake this so well? Because there need to be the police reports. There needs to be the news stories. You need to have a tape that goes, Bobby, I'm going to put hooks in your boobs. Something like that. (laughs) So how could he fake this believably? Well, wait. What you're failing to realize, Arnie, is every movie the cops die. (laughs) There are no police reports. Yeah. There's no cops to take the report. Yeah. This paperwork, it's not being done. Listen, in the last movie, we had the coroner so precise as to say, this jigsaw piece was cut with a serrated edge, but all the rest were cut with surgical (laughs) steel. So they're looking at it this close, and these fingerprints came from a dead hand because there was no endometriosis. Okay, but the coroner's only one left alive throughout the entire series. That's the original coroner. It is the original coroner from Saw 3. he's the only one, and you think at this point he's got to be a little worried. My biggest question with Bobby is, you know, he talks about how he had to stick these hooks through his pecs and he finally reveals the scars. And I was really let down. Those are not jigsaw trap scars. No. Those things were tiny. In fact, I expected the African-American woman to be like, bitch, please. 
I lost an arm. She kind of was, though. <laughs> I like her, and I think she was really good in the one where she cut her arm off. I thought she was funny. It was even better in the unrated DVD cut, because she just hacks and hacks and hacks yeah. and hacks at that arm. I loved it. It was so much better unrated. I wanted the scene after he shows his scars of uh, the flashback of him when they showed him faking everything, of him like doing something to make those scars. I, I thought his friend would do it. Well, that that's what I was wondering. I'm like, is this just prosthetic makeup? Is this maybe he's an Iraq War One veteran and he took some shrapnel in each peck? How did he get the scars? Are they real? Like that was my biggest question about Bobby Deegan. See, I wanted just a two minute montage of him and his drunk friend setting it up and calling the cops. I'm sorry, his friend wasn't drunk. His friend was a douchebag with that hair. (laughs) Well, he became a douchebag, but they started off as drunks in the bar. Yes, but that hair was still douchey. I just wanted that two-minute scene. But then again, we do have, again, in a cameo, Carrie Elways comes out and does his slow, sarcastic clap. I know, that was so great. I wish that he would have been a bigger part. It shouldn't have been a cameo. No, he should have been a main part. And even if they had to spend this time in the beginning setting it up, this should have been the point at which Carrie Elways becomes a major key player in this plot. But no, instead, Bobby goes off on his series of tests, which reminded me so much of part six with the insurance agent, where all these people who helped you do your deeds, now they will be tested and you will be tested and you must save them. And it was also like part three. Isn't that the one with the the guy whose daughter died from the drunk driver and mm-hmm. he had to learn forgiveness? I mean, yeah, that one is similar. But in this and part six, both these are like his co-workers, you know, his co-conspirators, his partners in crime. Whereas in part three, these are the people who hurt him. And that had more dramatic weight than these are the people who helped you. But he was being taught a lesson. Agnes McFadden was being taught to forgive. And Jigsaw was helping him work through his pain because he had started drinking. He was distanced from his wife. His wife was cheating on him ever since his little boy died in that accident. See, Jigsaw really is the real self of Guru, not he Bobby. Is. He is. And he was learning a lesson. There is no lesson to be learned with Bobby in his trials it's pure revenge no he had to learn to tell the truth and and, well he had had to tell the truth but i think that was a given i have to say there were far fewer tests than in part six because i guess he had far fewer accompli but the other thing was a lot of them weren't even tests were they like he had to pull the key out of the girl's throat and she couldn't scream how's this a test for him Mm mm-hmm What did he have to give up? Now, I have to say, this was the great chance they had in a few of these tests to really use that 3D with those big needles or whatever they were. And seeing it in 3D, I didn't get anything. I don't think that they used the 3D effect on that very well because there are many scenes where they showed you like head on these needles and it didn't look like they're coming out or anything. And that's the effect you want to have to explain their danger and sharpness and scariness because it's a big hollow needle. It's kind of gross. This is, again, why I say it's a more evolved use of 3D is because it's not poking in your face. It's just trying to show distance between. But no, this is when you want stuff poking in your face. You know, not that I usually like things poking in my face, but with Saw 3D, like this sequence with this test with Bobby, this is when I thought they were going to utilize the 3D and have stuff coming at the audience. Like, that's what I expected from this film. And I could have had fun if, you know, even though I ended up seeing it in 2D, I could have appreciated that 3D experience where they try to engage the audience. It's Saw. I don't want to look at the death between front of the needle and the back of the needle coming towards that girl's neck. I don't care about that. It's a horror film. I want stuff coming at 
about me. And that's what this should have been with those needles. Arnie, this is not a piece of art, okay? This is not the next James Cameron movie. Those needles should have been in my face. It, they really should have been, but they weren't. There was no effect on those whatsoever when they showed him head on. The next trap with the needles and the girl going in the eyes and the mouth, no effect. When Billy the puppet crashes through the little window for whatever reason because they needed a 3D effect. Yeah. But it and w- that wasn't even overused. No. It didn't even come at me. No, it didn't. It was not used effectively in this movie. This is a movie where you want it in your face. Well, there was one test where I thought it was used very effectively, and that was the skinheads. Let's talk about the skinheads for a minute. Yeah. Because that came right before Bobby. There are like four skinheads tied to a car. One of them is super glued to a car and he has to tear his flesh off and reach and pull a lever to save him and his friends lives. And they really use that 3D to show the distance between him and the lever and him reaching for the lever and the lever's in our face and he's far away from it. I thought that that was a good use of 3D. I'm actually going to agree with Arnie there. Like when the distance actually matters like that to build a suspense. Oh, my gosh, look how far away he is and how far he has to reach to grab that. That's an effective use to build that suspense. Is he going to pull it in time? But I really want that guy's jaw to fly at my face. And I agree with you there. I guess I'm pulling the Brock and and coming down the middle. (laughs) I want jaws flying at me. And when the distance is important, where it's going to be used to build suspense, then yes, I would like the 3D effect there. Jacob, how did that scene play in 2D? I was curious if it would work in 2D. It's still, I mean, it was still suspenseful. You know, is he going to pull away from it? You know, you don't have the depth that you're talking about, but I I still thought it worked. It didn't seem like they were pandering to 3D like some of the other uh, sequences did. Now, I had one big question about that entire scene that still bugs me. I don't recall 8-tracks being recordable. I know he's using an eight track. Like yeah. I thought he was dated using the little micro tapes and now he busts out an eight track. Like I was cracking up yeah, and later on. He's got like one of those eighties radio shack cassette players. He is all over the analog medium. He is. And it's ironic. What was it a week ago? Sony announced that they finally stopped making the Walkman. So. Yeah. Like on the 10th anniversary of the iPod. Yeah. And I, I mean, wouldn't it be great if like, if there was a saw eight, he's like, melting some vinyl and making an album he would upgrade to a a little ipod nano and with this skinhead scene you know in the car and he's got to pull the lever else all four of them are going to die again going back to that opening test i thought the gore here was just very b movie and i like that just how extreme it was ripping the jaw off and the tire crushing the lady's face and grinding it up i actually kind of like that b movie feel that didn't feel like this big gory even though there's definitely the gore there but it felt more kill bill than your typical horror film with the gore here. And I I like that. I had a problem with the gore here. And my problem was it looked so fake that at no point was I even disgusted because when he's pulling away from that chair and you get to see the skin tearing and the muscles underneath, I'm like, my God, did they go back to 1988 and borrow some of the special effects from the original Hellraiser? Because <laughs> this looks cheap. This looks like latex being torn. I have a theory as to why this is, though. I blame the 3D high-definition digital cameras for not allowing them to hide some of this because I don't imagine that they cut the effects budget for this one. Maybe they did because the last one bombed. Maybe they're like, you are going to get half your budget so you can't have the good gore effects. But these were the most fake-looking deaths in any of the Saw films, including the first one. The first one at least knew what it had. Here they tried to do more with less. And when he was ripping his back, it looked about as real as Freddy Krueger's face in 1987. I agree with you. I did not think that the gore was 
up to the level the previous movies have been. And I have watched a lot of horror movies in my lifetime. And I thought this was pretty blah as far as the gore goes because it was a horror movie genre but not realistic like previous Saw ones. Like when that girl was hacking her arm, I thought it looked pretty real. And when the fat guy was cut flesh out of his stomach, Mm -hmm. it looked pretty good. It did. It looked really good. This was very rubbery. And I thought the dead bodies were very rubbery. They bounced weird. Did you notice that? Yes. And when the jaw ripped out of the skinhead, it looked very fake. It just looked so cheap. It didn't have enough blood. It didn't tear right. It's like the skin was too clean. It was like they took a jaw off a mannequin. Well, I got to say with the latex, the skin glued to the car. And again, I saw this in 2D. I think you had it right with the latex. (laughs) Yeah. It it actually didn't look as fake as you guys are making it sound. So maybe because of the high def with the 3D effects when it was shown in 2D, it didn't come off that bad to me. I was actually kind of cringing during that when it would show him pulling away from the seat. But I I totally agree with the rest of the the, the deaths in this scene. But I like that. I mean, that's my kind of thing. I I like that whole B-movie look. So if you're going in, if you're hardcore and you want realistic gore, yeah, I could totally see why you wouldn't like that scene. For me, I like that. And so I enjoyed it. But I think up until this point, the series was very good with its gore and very realistic. And I agree. And that's why I enjoyed this one more, because it's more of something that I could get into. I didn't like that whole realistic gore thing. I just it, it doesn't appeal to me. And, and this appealed to me more. So maybe that's why I enjoyed this more than the previous Saw film. But I think it's a different kind of gore for a different kind of movie. Saw always took its pride in the fact that it made you squeamish because it was that realistic. And when they change to the fake looking and not as quality gore, you're just stepping down to the level of my Blade Valentine or Friday the 13th. Yes, exactly. One of the great things about Saw is that it always would get a reaction out of me. It makes you uncomfortable. There are certain things that just make you go, oh man, oh god, I can't take that. And just because you picture yourself in that situation, having to cut your foot off, having to cut your arm off, and here, this scene should have had me squirming. It should have had my anus clenched. And I should have been like, ugh! And instead I'm like, so, did they uh, get a good deal on that latex? Oh, look, there's some cornstarch blood. You know, it just didn't impact me. If you're not the type of person who likes to be repulsed and made to squirm in your seat, if you like some of the lighter horror, which Jacob, it sounds like that's kind of your preference, is the more fun, fake horror B-movie stuff that doesn't take itself so seriously, that's great. That's not what Saw ever has been. And I didn't get the impression from anything else in the movie that they were trying to make a left turn and become a lesser film. But wait a second. You guys talked about the B-movie quality of the opening trap. But that wasn't how it was played, how it was staged, the way the intestine flopped down. It was played for comedy, but it didn't look this cheap. True. It did not look this cheap. This one just looked like normal horror movie. I I said before, I felt like this saw was a bit more self-aware and a little more self-depreciating bringing in the whole you know self-help guru which is just sounds kind of corny and, and so yeah this saw maybe half the film does have a different tone than previous saw movies or, or there's certain plot points in this one that do have a very different tone in the previous saw ones and that tone i i liked more it's more my thing than what the previous saw films are I liked what it was, and when it became this, all of a sudden, I no longer cared. I mean, they're killing skinheads now? That's below predatory lenders. I mean, really? You're just killing these repugnant people? (laughs) I I thought the same thing. Yeah, I was surprised to see skinheads. I don't think they have them in Canada. 
They had to import them. <laughs> import them. But do you think that's because the blowback saw six got where it tried to be so relevant, do it the whole predatory lenders and the healthcare system that they're like, okay, that didn't go over so well. So let's just go the opposite route. I said in Saw 6 that that was the first time we're really supposed to be rooting for the death of the characters. In the past, they've always been mostly despicable people for something or other. But in part six, we really wanted to see them dead. And that's the same thing here with the two-timing conniving bitch and the skinheads is we're supposed to be sitting there rooting for Jigsaw to kill these people because they're bad people. And I don't like that. I prefer some moral ambiguity. You know, it's a fine line. Going back to a lot of the conversations with the Texas Chainsaw Massacres, Stuart really liked the satire. And I could appreciate satire. I, I feel just with Saw 6, it wasn't satire. It was like, hey, healthcare and home loans are really big in the news right now. Let's just talk about that. I think there's a fine line between just riffing on whatever the current trend is and actually doing satire. And I wouldn't mind a satirical take on something modern, but they weren't able to do that in Saw 6. So I, I, it doesn't give me a lot of hope that they'd be able to pull that off so i yeah it, it seemed weird that they're going you know the two-timing hoe and the skinheads i, I kind of rolled my eyes at both of those but i just didn't want them to try to pull off something relevant because they failed so badly in the last film i agree and i did like the bobby story which again i th was just constantly reminded of james Frey and oprah is his personal jigsaw and <laughs> i thought that yeah you fake it and the person who is involved is going to get you and so i liked that to a degree by the same token it also is consistent with jigsaw because jigsaw was pissed when hoffman did a test and framed jigsaw for it jigsaw would be equally pissed about somebody else he doesn't like having work accredited to him that's inferior he's very honest it's that damn tempered steel. Yes. It always comes down to the tempered steel. But I knew, is well, first of all, I knew the faker was going to be captured by Jigsaw because it would have been a really shitty movie had he not been. And I knew his test would be the Pex. I wasn't sure if he would be captured by Jigsaw. Really? Were we watching the same movie? I know. Come on, Arnie. So yeah. I had this brief thought that he was the next Jigsaw or he was perhaps Jill's accomplice and getting the survivors group together so that he knew where they all were. I had this brief thought. I'm always, my mind's going a million different directions in these movies. Wow. You think way too hard on these. That was no, a given. I, I agree with Saw. I tend to really expand my thoughts about what's going on because they're always going to pull some big twist, you know, and at least with that first one, there's a pretty good twist in there. You know, the third one I thought was a pretty good twist, but I think the fourth one had a good twist with the when it was taken. Okay, place. but hold yeah. up, guys. Yeah. Here's the thing about their twists. They don't leave clues. You don't see them coming. You do. They, they always leave clues. They always leave clues, but they do cheat, too. They've cheated since part yeah. one. Was yeah. Up. See, that's the thing. So you really just got to watch it and not try to figure it out. I mean, you got to take some things are given and some things you're going to be like, OK, I'm just going to go with it. And then they explain it at the end through a flashback. And that's the, how they cheat is there aren't clues. Well, much like part five, I was pissed because this one didn't really have a twist. We're kind of getting to the end and there was no twist. The biggest twist we have is that this internal affairs office, his life was saved by Hoffman when they were both beat cops because Hoffman shot somebody who was going to shoot Gibson and Hoffman shot the perp multiple the times. Back. Yeah, without the guy firing first. So it technically was brutal assault and Gibson reported him and 
Hoffman had a grudge ever since then, which, of course, we've never seen. And given how many other people Hoffman's gone up against, you think this guy would be one. Yeah, you know. He wasn't saving him Wouldn't he have put him in a trap a long time ago? Exactly. He killed all the other cops. Strom figured it out, and he trapped Strom. You'd think this guy, for his turn him in for brutal assault, would have been trapped a long time ago. Because there's one thing Hoffman is, it's not rational. And then we have the final of Bobby's test, which is walk over some planks. Or the second to last. It's the last of his friends, where he has to walk over the planks at his friend because he saw no evil. Because Jigsaw's now doing this big hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil bit. Because the publicist, he was doing speak no evil, and so her throat was ripped out. The lawyer saw no evil, she looked away, so her eyes were poked out. His friend heard no evil, so he had to use his ears to walk the planks and only on vocal command. Can I say something about that trap? That was asinine to throw the key. Absolutely asinine. (laughs) But there were only 10 seconds remaining. I don't care. If you're going to throw something that critical, you better find a way to get your ass over there because that was a bad, bad decision. There's no way else that could have played out. You knew he was going to drop it. He was blindfolded. Well, having just watched Saw 6, I knew that none of these people would survive the test. Oh, I didn't either. I didn't think they would either. In Saw 6, we had multiple people there and it was a question. Some might survive. It was either or. Will the older smoking janitor live or will this guy live? Here, it's like, oh, there's only one person in a test. They're dead. But honestly, I have to say that in his three tests, only one of them would cause him really serious harm when he had to close the circuit for the lawyer going towards the eye pokers. He had to lift the Nautilus machine. Well, and it tore into his side. Mm -hmm. But with the ripping the fish He could have gotten a bad hernia, too. True. I guess his (laughs) intestines could have come out his stomach wall, but okay. That's something that can be treated later on. That's torture That would be a very slow death. As your intestines twisted and you're, you couldn't poop. Your intestine will become gangrenous if you do not get out in nine months. <laughs> but only in that one would he have to suffer harm to save his friend. Well, no, with the planks, he could have fallen to his death. Yes, but it was easier for him because he was not blindfolded so he could see where he was going. That didn't look high enough to fall to your death. I'm sorry. That it looked like one floor. Yeah, that did not look scary at all. In 3D, it looked deep. I didn't think it did. I really just thought it was one floor. I'm like, okay, so... All right, well, he could have fallen to his broken leg. Okay, and... (laughs) He could have sustained a nasty fall and subjected to further schooling absences. Yeah, but, I mean, only in that one, because pulling the fish hook out of the girl's stomach really isn't going to cause him any pain. Just painful for her. And then the eye poker thing, it did kind of tear up his side. I couldn't figure out exactly what it was. It wasn't very clear. It was like what was poking into her eyes was poking into his ah, ribs. Ah, okay. That's what I got. And then with the walking the planks, again, I don't think that that was that threatening because he could see. It would have been more threatening if the other guy was tied to the wall and Bobby was blindfolded and had to walk and the other guy had to direct him. That would have been more threatening. But I didn't think that he had to hurt himself to save his friends all that much. No, it was disappointing in that way. Unlike in the last one where the guy had to crush his own hands and part three where Angus McFadden was supposed to take a bullet. Mm-hmm. And then we get to his final test. This one I actually really enjoyed because, first of all, I didn't realize that his beloved wife wasn't in on his scam. You'd think that she'd know. I figured she was because she was tied up and he was seeing her on the video screens. I figured she wasn't involved in his scam. And then he has to do what he had said he did. And I love Jigsaw's test. He's like, It won't be a problem because, as you said, your pectoral muscles can handle your body's weight. You knew then that they were going to rip through his pecs, right? Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> but I love Jigsaw's like, well, you said it. Let's see. And Jigsaw knows. Jigsaw is smart enough of an engineer to know. 
He also has in-depth files on anatomy. And I got to say, though, because, of course, Bobby fails. His The hooks rip through his pecs and he falls. I felt really bad for his wife. I did, too. She was a total victim of this. Like, she was lied to. She didn't know the truth. And she's got to burn to death. Like, that's got to be painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how it looked with the high def in 3D, but it still looked pretty, you know, the, the makeup as she's, like, melting or whatever. I mean, that. It looked really fake. Yeah. Okay. See, watch this in 2D then. The effects are much better. <laughs> when the oven is closing around her, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't recognize it as an oven. At first, I thought she was going to be shot into space. It looked like a space <laughs> castle was forming around her. And I'm like, well, Jigsaw's puzzles are getting more and more sci-fi. Is she going into orbit? What are they doing? I, and then it turned out to be a crematorium. I actually thought she was going to be saved somehow in that capsule and something would happen to him. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. Like the glass tube. Yeah. I thought gas would fill up the room and he would die instead of her. She would be saved. But Arnie, I- I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this. I thought maybe it was a giant rocket tube and they were going <laughs> to shoot her out while he dies. Like yes. I, I'm like, this is kind of weird. <laughs> I was just it when it turned out to be an oven. I was it was like a happy. big transformer. It's just weird how it comes out of the ground. This big oven encases her. And again, I was thinking, remember the good old days when it was just two guys and a hacksaw? Yeah, yeah, that was a very elaborate crematorium. But yeah, I really did think she was going to be saved somehow. And that's not fair that she died and he lived with his ripped pec muscles. But we don't ever know what happened to him because he's so non-essential mm-hmm. that we never yeah, see him where, again. Where's the resolution where it comes out that he's a fraud and, you know, he ends up as a homeless guy or something? That you, you needed that part. It's probably in the fanfic. <laughs> it's in the extended cut. I, I was also very disappointed because nine SWAT officers storm the building to see if they can rescue these people and stop the game. And they find the plank room and they go around. And I put in my notes, if, if they could just go around, why didn't Bobby just go? Because <laughs> he had to get the key in the middle but, to save his douchey friend. Well, yeah, but I'm still, but even after that, but then they all get gassed and killed. And that's why I thought there was going to be that gas at the end that kills Bobby because they show that happened to these SWAT members. And this time, I think the body count was so much higher than any other Saw film. I counted all these for our website. I counted 36 deaths in this movie. That is a huge body count. Actually, the director did say this was the largest body count of any of the Saw movies. And then the IA agent, he figures out where Hoffman was because he first goes to the scene where Hoffman had saved his life. And then they go back to the place with the skinheads and find a secret room in the bathroom. Most obvious clue ever. When Jigsaw writes something like, you need to take a look at yourself on a mirror, it means look through the mirror because it's yeah. not really a mirror but did you notice that the little scene with the where he saved his life never played out other than he had set up a fake one in this little behind the bathroom at the junkyard that never paid off whatsoever no, it didn't and so they find hoffman's lair and then again perhaps out of transformers a machine gun comes up and shoots them all <laughs> this is the moment i'm like saw has just jumped the shark when jigsaw is just resorting to gatling guns to mow everyone <laughs> down i'm like this is not your father saw <laughs> jacob you and i are watching rambo for our next retrospective <laughs> yes. series this yes. was like out of rambo meets short circuit <laughs> Because number five Gatling gun was alive. Yes. (laughs) Like, it was just so weird to see this machine gun pop out and just start shooting everyone. That's not what a Saw movie is. Mm -hmm. Where's the test? Where's the fun? Where's the blood and torture? It shouldn't be people are shot unless Dr. Gordon is shooting at him. 
So that jumped us up to 13, but then Hoffman goes psycho like Jason and just starts slitting throats. He's like MacGruber. MacGruber grabs the throats. Hoffman slits the throats. I totally thought like Halloween or something because it looked like he, you know, uh, yeah, like a Mike Myers or Jason. It just becomes a slasher pit. Yeah, I was disappointed and he kills... Two coroners, that coroner who we mentioned had been in since part three, finally gets a death scene. See, I I actually, I kind of rolled my eyes at the whole slasher thing, but I actually kind of liked it too, because it was like, you know what, fuck this whole Jigsaw thing. This is Hoffman, who's never gone by Jigsaw's methods anyway. He just mowed a bunch of cops down with a machine gun. It kind of makes sense. He's just throwing everything out the window. It's all about self-preservation now, and he's just going to start straight up stabbing people. Yeah, he's gone nuts is what's happened. I thought it was kind of effective, actually. He did this a little bit at the end of part six when they discovered his voice he slit three throats then and set fire to the fbi building and no one really thought anything of it so here it's just a continuation it's a little bit more extreme a little bit more exaggerated but he's like the terminator going into that police station and killing every cop in it to get to jill and jill can i just say the death she dreamed first of all dream sequence fake out lame but her her dream death where hoffman gets to say the problem is i can only kill you once was so much better than this fight that occurred. Mm-hmm. And again, that's another place where they could have used the 3D more effectively. But the blade coming at you when they showed that was just really blah. But here she gets in the reverse bear trap. Although score one for the reverse bear trap because everybody had always gotten out of yeah. that one. It was Jigsaw's yeah. easiest test. If, if I'm tested by Jigsaw, I'd like the reverse bear trap, please. <laughs> and again, I liked the gore in this scene because we finally get to see it go off. It rips her face apart. It kind of reminds me, if you guys remember Beetlejuice, Alec Baldwin, when they go to haunt the house, he kind of stretches his face out and then opens it wide open and it's like a big mouth. <laughs> like It, it kind of reminded me that I just, I like... You are so right. <laughs> it is, totally, huh? It's got the big tongue hanging out and, and no both look like claymation yes again i kind of like that about this film but i i like that just how it just totally takes her face off i, I thought it was a great scene i was really hoping for more for her story though i Me really too. wish we would have gotten more than oh, yeah just the he kicked her in the stomach put her in the reverse bear trap and that's it i i really think that what they'd been building up to with her amounted to absolute crap like they're like oh shit we got to bring this in somehow because we started it but you know what i liked the moment when he's looking through the evidence locker to go how can i kill this bitch hey bear trap (laughs) irony bitch (laughs) i like that and and i was actually shocked that they killed her because one the bear trap everyone gets out of the bear trap this is you know jigsaw's wife she should know if anyone knows about the traps she should like i thought she would get out of it somehow and get Hoffman. Like, so I was surprised when they actually killed her off. They had to, though, because this is supposedly the last. They really are going into this as the end. And so killing her made sense because, well, I guess in a way she was an accomplice. Every horror film, you always find out the slasher is still alive somehow at the end. And so they could have had her live. She kills Hoffman and they hint that she's going to carry on her husband's legacy. Like, it wouldn't be a stretch to think that she would live somehow. Yeah, that's true. But then we get to the closest thing we have to a twist. Hoffman's finally killed Jill and not Bill, but Jill and is ready to go escape to America, I guess, where there's no extradition. (laughs) And he gets attacked by three people in pig masks, one of whom 
after he's unmasked is Carrie Elway. Bullshit. Bullshit. It was total bullshit. That's all I have to say about that. I was for it initially because we had said during our Saw 4 podcast, how cool would it have been if it was Carrie Elway's doing all this? If he had appeared in this movie and they would have built up to that, yeah, it would have been cool. I okay, told, yes. I, I, knew, I knew this reveal was coming, but it's bullshit because they never built up to it. It's like, we're never going to show this character again. So, ooh, surprise at the end. Guess who it is? They cheated. That's what happens with this series. They cheated. Why did Dr. Gordon decide to help Jigsaw? Yeah, we get some flashbacks and Jigsaw nursed him back to life and gave him a prosthetic leg. Is that enough to become a serial killer? Well, it was a 1920s prosthetic leg. I know. Well, when you live on the lamb like that, you, you take what you could get. But this is a guy who threatened to murder his wife and child. Yes. And he's going to go you. and help him. They needed to build up. They need to explain why Gordon would embrace Jigsaw's methods and help him. Jacob, that was the movie I wanted. But first of all, the reason the leg, Jigsaw made that leg. Okay, but wait, he can make elaborate traps, but he can't make a decent prosthetic leg. Come on. He never did plastics. Notice this. He did metal and wood, never plastics. Tempered steel, baby. <laughs> Tempered steel. Like, I, I would have gone with that. I bet you, though, that leg shoots out spikes or something. Though. It probably does. You're right. But, Jacob, I don't know why this isn't the movie they made. But the movie I wanted was the one you just described. We start with Carrie always dragging his bloody leg through the hallway. I wanted to see the evolution of that character. What happened to his wife? Although his wife was played by Monica Potter, who's a working actress. Maybe they couldn't get her back, but they should have tried. But I want to know what happened to his family. What happened to him? The fact that Jigsaw gives him a leg and all of a sudden he's just converted into the cult of Jigsaw, I don't buy. Because if that was the case, every single survivor would have become the cult of Jigsaw. Now, we don't know who the two people helping Dr. Gordon are. Maybe they were survivors. I would have liked it if one of the people beating up Hoffman had was the woman with the fake arm and she just clubbed him with the arm. That would have been funny like that early scene. But no, and it does help explain away some of the things like, well, how could Jigsaw put a key behind somebody's eye? Well, Gordon was a master surgeon, so I guess he could. Hold up. He was a medical oncologist. He was not a surgeon. Just because you're a doctor doesn't mean that you're well-versed in every single specialty. Now, oncologists aren't surgeons. Maybe some are. Some cardiologists are surgeons. Are, 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 are... Yes, because they're called vascular surgeons. Marjorie, who's overthinking this now? <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm sorry. I work in the medical field, and it really irks me, I guess, that because I'll, I'll tell you what, if you gave an oncologist a knife and said, hey, take this guy's kidney out, he'd be lost. Well, I would have gone with Carrie Elway's working with Jigsaw. It's the ending you have to have, but oh, they, <sighs> they, they, they get there. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it doesn't make sense because when we're seeing the Hoffman Jigsaw flashbacks in part five, is it? I think part five, Jigsaw says to Hoffman, you have one thing Amanda doesn't, anonymity. Well, who's more anonymous than Carrie Elway's who we haven't seen since part one? But he appears to be going about his regular life. Yeah. And he was given this tape and Jigsaw's like, if anything ever happens to Jill, react as I would, take care of it like I would. But was Gordon in for the long haul after John passed away? I did. I love the fact that they have Dr. Gordon be the one who's like, why don't you get this surgery? to help with your brain tumor. I, I liked some of the flashbacks, but it needed to be the movie. It, that needed to be the side of the movie. We needed that to be a much bigger part and this Bobby story to be a much smaller
smaller part. Arnie, you could tell me if I'm wrong because you re-listened to all the podcasts, but I think one of the things I liked about Saw, I, I always got wrapped up more in the soap opera part of it than the actual torture scene. And yeah. is that correct? Yes. <laughs> Do I remember myself correctly? Okay. Because yes. that's how I felt here too. I kind of liked the Bobby story, but once they get into the whole obstacle course, eh, whatever. I mean, it's a Saw film. I guess you got to do that. But I wanted to see the evolution of Carrie Elway's character. I wanted, you know, I always said I was interested in this cult of Jigsaw, you know, with Amanda. It makes sense that she wants to help John because she's a crack whore. She's crazy. You know, with Gordon, he's a doctor. I, I wanted to see these characters develop. I, you know, as weird as that may sound in a horror film, I actually wanted to see some logic and some character development. So it was satisfying that there was this cult of Jigsaw and that, you know, it examined the psychology of his victims where, you know, maybe they go through that Stockholm syndrome and they end up helping him or you get like the one from the previous film that cut off her arm and she's like you know fuck jigsaw and his methods i didn't learn nothing from that like i i like all those dynamics and it just but this is a saw film and it's horror and people are paying to see blood so all that stuff just gets pushed way to the side and that's the stuff i really like well and really other than amanda they didn't really play up the survivors until the very end here yeah, that's the thing is it's not been an integral part of the story except for Amanda because she's allegedly one of the only ones who survived. But we know from watching the movies, there are some people who have survived, but they don't play it up until the end. So it's kind of pointless now. It, it's almost like they wish they could go back and do more movie or redo the movies. They wanted George Lucas them so that they <laughs> all make sense because it's almost as if they had all these great ideas at the very end. And they're like, shit, how can we incorporate all these into the last movie? Well, this was really their chance to go back and mine the earlier films for material. They had the survivors group and they did bring back some of the characters. Unfortunately, it's from the more recent ones. They, again, they, I don't know how available some of the earlier actors were, but you know, in rewatching these, there was a scene after the credits in Saw 6. Now I could have sworn, Marjorie, you and I stayed after mm -mm. the credits for Saw 6. And we didn't see the scene. I don't know if it was added in to the DVD, but it ends with a flashback of Amanda going to that little girl who was trapped in the room at the end of three and rescued in five. And she says through the keyhole, don't trust the one who saves you. That little girl should have come back. All of these characters who survived, they should have really mined this reunion of survivors and done it. Now, J Jacob, you say you don't care about these tests. I agree. But I think one of the cases where it was best done, one of my favorite Saw films, I don't know if one or three is my favorite, but I loved how you had two stories going on where one is the traps and one is the mystery. It's a crime drama. Well, no. In Saw 3, there was no crime drama part. In Saw 3, you had the father going mm -hmm. through his tests and you had Jigsaw and Amanda doing their other side of it. There wasn't the police trying to find them in that one, was there? No, because it took place at the same time as In part four. four. So I liked that. I would have liked to have seen this one where perhaps one part of it is Hoffman going through the test or some new person going through the test, have this Bobby character going through his test. But in the alternate scenes, instead of the police going after Hoffman, build up the Jill Lawrence Hoffman trio and give us all the flashbacks the same way three did and show us all of this stuff and that's the movie i want and it wasn't it and when carrie always takes off the pig mask at the end it's just a big what the fuck and it's not satisfying the way it was told it's a twist that needed to happen like you said jacob but the way it was told was not satisfying maybe gordon should have taken care of jill like john and they should have hooked up because yes. i would assume that gordon's family is dead and one scene with 
Monica Potter, where the two of them are splitting up because yeah, or Gordon divorcing. changed. Yeah, exactly. And maybe then Carrie Elwes could carry on Jigsaw's legacy with Jill and, you know, marry her or whatever, become partners in crime. But I wouldn't want it to end with them as partners in crime. What I would like is the it to end with the two of them saying, John's legacy is fulfilled. The traps yeah, are done. That would have been good. That would have been a good ending. And they ride off in their own separate ways. With no cliffhanger, end of series, everybody satisfied, and Carrie Elway's return was worth it. Here, again, it seems like that Black Friday sale where he's back just to get us in there to see the movie we want, but that's not the movie they made. I think it'd be interesting to see also if some of the part of the cat or behind the scenes crews are different because I didn't feel that the traps were as inventive as they have been in the past. That's the thing about the Saw franchise is the traps are crazy inventive and I just didn't feel that they were all that creative this time. I felt they could have been a lot. We're going to poke you in the eye twice. Yeah, there was a duplicate traps, first of all, which never has happened before. Can I answer your question? Yeah. They did have the same behind the scenes cast, the same writers and the same director. The director actually was supposed to go do Paranormal Activity to, you know, work on the successful franchise. Mm-hmm. And Lionsgate exercised his contract that he would be in breach if he did not do this film instead. So you had a director who did not want to be there. It was on his own jigsaw trap. Well, perhaps then that showed because I think that the traps were the least inventive of any of them. Well, after the last one, though, what I learned in the commentaries is that they were plotting out these arcs so that they could drop hints and make the soap opera. Well, they had it plotted through Saw 8. And they decided when Saw 7 would be the last one, they would take all the plot twists from 7 and 8 and just put them all in 7. I'm sorry, there weren't enough twists and enough story here to make this happen. God forbid, if this was stretched out over two movies, I'd be even more pissed off. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how they would have done that. Maybe in two movies, you'd get more of the Carrie Elway's story. You could only afford him for one. So we do find out that Gordon, to bring everything full circle, takes Hoffman. And because Jigsaw says, take care of it as I would, he doesn't kill Hoffman. He locks him in the shithole bathroom. But then I did like when he picks up the saw and goes, "Uh uh-uh, and tosses it away. Yeah, that was one 3D effect that they actually used. Yeah, because he threw the saw at us. Yeah. Yeah, I I could tell that was one of those pandering 3D shots, the way it was filmed. I I also love, though, that, you know, the whole scene where he grabs the hacksaw and then when he kind of just pauses to look down and he sees the the skeletal remains of his foot. Yes. That was awesome. And Zepp was still there and Adam was still there. But he made one fatal mistake. And this is why I think that even though this is supposed to be the final Saw film, he locked Hoffman up exactly where Donnie Wahlberg was locked up. And Donnie Wahlberg used that toilet to smash his foot and get out. We know Hoffman's crazy. He can sew his own face. He could break his foot and get out. Not the door's locked. They never lock that door. I don't even know if the door does Um, lock. The whole key is they're locked up already and can't get to the door. I don't think anybody's ever once gotten out of that chain and gone, fuck, they also locked the door. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why, I mean, this didn't feel like the final Saw film to me because of this ending. It's This is how every Saw film has ended. One person gets locked up in a trap one last time and we'll see if they get out in the next film. It it didn't, I mean, as far as an end of the series go, it didn't feel like that by the time I got here. I think it would have paid off more if we found out a reason that Hoffman went 
fucking insane. Instead, we're just, oh, he's nuts. Okay, he's taking Jigsaw's message to the extreme. Well, we found out it was because he was always a brutal cop, and his sister was killed, and he got a taste for this kind of vengeance. Yeah, but I just didn't think that it paid off enough. I think that there should have been, like, something Jigsaw did, like, where Amanda was, like, obsessed with Jigsaw and would give everything for him and then was upset by that letter. We never found out what was in the letter. No, that pissed me off. I just think that we should have seen some sort of pivotal moment when... We know that Hoffman's just off his rocker. Isn't that the slasher scene? (laughs) Yeah, I guess that was it. We have no reason why he did it. He just went nuts. I was fine with Hoffman. I thought we had four films exploring Hoffman now. I had even come to accept Hoffman as a good John Kramer replacement for Jigsaw. What I wanted more exploration of was not Hoffman, but Lawrence Gordon. That is what would have made this film really, really great for me. If there's a part eight, it's going to be... All that, probably, if they can get Carrie Elway's back. Yeah. But there's not going to be a part right. If this movie does Gonzo box office, and if Carrie Elway's decides to come back, then maybe we'll get in flashback the movie I want to see. But then again, what would be the twist at the end of that? Because we already have revealed Mm -hmm. it. They've spilled the beans. Well, they did it with the Star Wars prequels. We already knew that Darth Vader was Luke's father. That's the thing is, you know what? Coming out of Saw 7, I felt like I had just come out of The Phantom Menace because I was so excited going in that this was going to happen. And God help me, I was almost as excited for Carrie Elway's return to Saw as I was for lightsabers to return to glory. And walking out, I just had this feeling that this wasn't the movie I wanted, but this was the movie I got. Yeah, I wanted revelation after revelation after revelation. This is the final film. Again, they kept building that Jigsaw was going for something big, and I just never felt he did anything really big scale, like worldwide domination, where he's going to teach the masses about what living is. I never got, I kept waiting for that reveal, and I just never felt whatever his legacy is. Yeah, it affected, you know, a few dozen people in this really stank town. So I guess this leaves. Recommend or not recommend. Make your choice. Jacob. I've actually had to think about this one a lot. You know, obviously there's some things I didn't like. I didn't like some of the the storytelling, but there were a lot of things I actually did enjoy with this film, which I totally didn't expect. I expected to totally just hate this film. But like I said, I I guess the things I did like were the unsaw-like things, like a a lot of the B-movie gore. I I like the whole self-help guru storyline, but all the stuff I liked, I just wish they did more with it. I love that Dr. Gordon was back. They don't do anything with them though it's it's a cameo role like we talked about they just they didn't push things I, I, far enough for me they didn't delve into the story enough they were just you know again they had to stick with those saw traps and and that had to be the main feature you know i even liked when hoffman goes on his michael myers slasher rage at the end i again not a very saw like thing to do but a lot of those elements i enjoyed and i actually think you could watch the first saw film and this final one and, and they'd work well together but in the end seeing that this is the final film i if there was another one to come after this, I might be able to recommend it. But because this is supposed to be the final film, I just don't get the revelations I wanted. I don't get the story I wanted to wrap up the series. So I'm going to give it a slight not recommended. Marjorie. I didn't get what I wanted out of this film. I thought that it was incomplete, not as creative as the other ones. And basically they were just phoning it in and doing what they had to do because they touted that this would be the final one. I think the story is unsatisfying. I think the traps are uninventive. And I think that it's just, you don't get any resolution to anything 
And I think, honestly, I mean, I guess if you're a big Saw fan, you probably want to see it just to complete the series. I think maybe only the completists maybe need to see it. But if you're just like a casual horror fan and you've seen Saw here or Saw there, you can skip it. If you've not seen the others and you're not really into the story, it's not a great horror film. It's kind of blah. It didn't do it for me. In fact, at the end of the movie, I was like, wow, that's it. I didn't get anything else out of that. I felt really let down. Of course, I didn't expect much. I did expect a lot out of the 3D, and I was really disappointed in the 3D because I hate 3D, first of all. Let me just point that out. And it gives me a headache. I really wanted a good horror movie with 3D. I, I really, I think if any franchise could do it right with 3D, this was a franchise. And they pissed it away. They didn't use it good. You want things flying in your face with these traps and with the kills. You and want the traps to come alive. I do want the traps to come alive. That was the tagline of the movie. And it did not live up to that. And I really think if you have to see this movie and you are going to see it, watch it in 2D. Do not waste that extra 10 bucks on the 3D because you're not going to get anything out of it. And Jacob even said the stuff that we thought looked really bad as far as the gore looked fine in the 2D. So save your money, first of all, and don't see the movie if, unless you absolutely have to and you're a completist. But if you have to see it, see it in 2D. Do not see it in 3D. So I... Can only recommend it to the completists, I guess. But, but you're in gonna, general, you're not recommending uh, In general, I'm not going to recommend it. And me, I also, like Jacob, had to give this a lot of thought. Because walking out of there, I had to say this was not the movie I wanted. This was not the movie I expected. And having just watched all seven Saw films in the span of seven days, I didn't feel that this one lived up to the others. So as part of the Saw series... I cannot recommend it, but my that doesn't mean I'm not recommending this movie. What I'm trying so hard to do, and I'm torn just like the skinhead in the car seat. I'm torn trying to decide if this movie itself is recommendable because I'm so disappointed that it wasn't the movie I had envisioned it to be with The Return of Elways. But if I take away my expectations, is this movie recommendable? And the answer is yes. It is not the movie I wanted and dreamed for, but this, you know, as weak as your not recommend was, Jacob, it's as weak as my recommend is. But this movie has some great things going for it. I like the James Frey getting tortured kind of storyline much, much better than I liked the insurance agent getting tortured storyline. I liked Hoffman's Rampage. It was kind of fun to watch. Like you said, Jacob, it wasn't Saw, but it was fun. I liked the piranha 3D level giggles of Dina's intestine flopping around and all the people filming it like the opening of an Apple store. There was a lot to like about this movie. There's a lot to not like about this movie. Is it a fitting end for the Saw franchise? No. Is it satisfying as a part of the Saw film? No, because they distanced themselves from the mythology that made the previous ones so remarkable. Is Carrie Elway's evil a fucking cheat? Yes. Does that piss me off? Yes. But overall, a slight recommend. You can do far worse in horror. I mean, I've just sat through all of the Child's Play films and all of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films. This is heads and tails above the depths to which those series plunged. I enjoyed myself with the movie. Yes, the 3D was lackluster. There's flaws, a lot of flaws, but a weak, weak pass. And I have really gone deep into my soul. And I am not just saying this because I feel I must because I sat through so much Saw this week. 
I'm not saying it so I have to justify my existence of the past week and the way I've spent my time. I really feel this movie is enjoyable, but it's not the film I wanted. I could have written the film I wanted and it would have been so much more satisfying. This wasn't it. But the key to me was that when walking out of the theater, I got something I've never gotten before leaving the theater. One of the employees handed me a free Saw 3D (laughs) t-shirt. And I'm like, wow, I I just got a free t-shirt. I never get free t-shirts except at like Comic-Con. They bribed your recommend. And so I'm like, no, I was excited. I was like, I have a Saw 3D t-shirt. Yeah. And they're like, well, I must have liked the movie then. I'm- no, you were just excited by a free t-shirt <laughs> because our previous theater chain didn't give you crap. <laughs> and Artie, I, what it comes down to for me, if if there, if there I knew there was a Saw 8 coming out, I would have recommended this film. It's all about it, this film is supposed to conclude the series and that's where it failed. Or else I could recommend this. If there's, you know, if a Saw 8 comes out, we're going to have to re-edit this and I'll recommend it. That That is the thing is when we edited Saw 6, we're like, well, we had known when we recorded our Saw 6 podcast that 7 was supposed to be the last and we're like well when seven comes out and finishes it we're gonna have to look back and see where we stand on our recommends and not recommends i don't think for any of us has that changed because it wasn't a satisfying resolution that brought into play things that made previous films not work standalone and yeah it is not a satisfying conclusion because of all these things i i don't want this to be the end not because i want more saw i went into this expecting a satisfying ending i didn't feel like i got a satisfying ending and so now i'm like well make another one just to make up for this mistake you still want your happy ending yes i want my happy ending <laughs> you, you pay twelve thousand dollars for an escort you you know you don't want her stealing your wallet and your hundred thousand dollar rolex you want your happy ending yes what about you marjorie jacob and I are both like we we want a satisfying part eight do you want a part eight well i think part eight would not be satisfying one because they just pissed away the jill storyline so that didn't pay off right there i have lost confidence in these guys to deliver a satisfying product because let's face it yeah the traps are part of the story they're inventive and everything but you they've drug us this far along with all these twists and turns and they've cheated for so long i think they owe it to us I mean, it's weird as much as I dislike Saw and as much as I, oh, man, I got to go see Saw 3D. Great. Why did I ever join on to this podcast? (laughs) I see a lot of promise in these movies and I see a really good story in there. And I'm rooting for a good Saw trilogy. I want a good Saw story. As odd as that strikes me. I'm fine with the Jill storyline being concluded. I, I it was would, crappy the way it was yeah. done, though. I would like a satisfying ending. This wasn't it. I will say that Friday's box office alone saw made close to $11 million. Now, that is almost as much as Saw 6 made its entire opening weekend. We're looking at a good mid-20s, possibly high 20 millions for Saw 7's opening weekend. Keep in mind, 3D tickets are much more expensive. So it's not that they're selling more tickets. They're just making more money on the tickets. Our 7 o'clock showing, we got went to the 5 o'clock. The 7 o'clock had a big line built up for it. And that was as we were walking out of the theater after the credits. Because we always have to stay after the credits. Because Arnie's a nut like that. But they had a big line. What really will kill the Saw series is money. I don't think that Saw 8 will be out next year because they aren't in production. They expect this to be the last. But I think that if this weekend 
opens above 25, it's a good 50-50 shot that there'll be a sequel. And if it opens above 30, I think there will be a sequel. But what I can see for this series is a degradation of them doing straight-to-DVD releases of not the same quality movie with the gore and the traps and everything. I could really see this moving straight-to-DVD like some other horror franchises on a lesser budget, lesser quality actors. I don't see this happening. I'll tell you why. You don't see a Saw the Thirst coming out? (laughs) No, because... I do. Here's the thing. The guys who made the original, James Wan and Lee Winnell, they're the writers and director of the very first one. They said specifically that they want Saw 7 to be the last because they don't want to degrade their legacy. They should have stopped at one then. But you know what it comes down to? Who owns more of the rights and who can be bought out and who can't be? And who can be bribed. Yes. Exactly. That's. I mean, seriously, it's all going to come down to money with this franchise. But do we sit around going, we can't wait for the next next James Wan film? No. Do we sit around going, oh, that film was written by Lee Winnell. We got to be there. No. You know, the only reason I know his name is because he was Adam. Exactly. And that was a big deal that he was in the movie. So I think these guys want to keep their name untarnished. And if they go the direct-to-DVD route and whatnot, it would tarnish their legacy. I think that if they do a Saw 8, I think they're going to try to knock it out of the park and they're going to try to do it for a lot of money. But I don't know. I went into Saw 7 with high expectations. I come out with the weakest of recommends. And I went in with the lowest expectations and I actually, I'm right on the fence. Like, Yeah, you and I aren't that far apart on this yeah. one, Jacob. So go in with really low expectations and you might enjoy All right. Well, Jacob, Marjorie, thank you for joining me to revisit the Saw series. And maybe if there's a Saw 8, we can all get back together again. Yay. Traps become a liver. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and Jacob, you and I are going to be trapped in Vietnam for our next retrospective series. You, I, and Brock are going to watch all of the Rambo films. I'm sharpening my knife right now. How's that working out for you guys, to quote Dr. Phil? Because I've had to watch some Rambo films now. You'll have to listen to the podcast to find out how it worked out. You know, I'd never seen it until Arnie started that. I would also like to remind our listeners, it's that time of year again, the podcast awards are coming. Voting opens November 7th for nominations, and we would greatly, greatly appreciate it if you could go starting November 7th to podcastawards.com and vote for now playing as people's choice and movies and films you can put us in people's choice plus one other category movies and films so if you could nominate now playing we would greatly appreciate it if you go and nominate us we we got lucky enough to be nominated last year and make it into the finals and you know we'd, we'd like to know that our listeners still like us as much this year as they did last year hey guys i got the perfect dress picked out to walk the red carpet if we are nominated so if you know if you listeners want to see me in a beautiful gown make sure to nominate us and possibly they do a viewer's choice review of a movie if they won which I, could be quite fun for those involved or not involved i don't i'm not going to speak for anybody else if we could win the award last year stewart promised to do the leprechaun series maybe we'll have to get him on the phone and see if he'll still do leprechaun next. oh he will i'll speak for him i'm I, i'll speak for stewart by proxy he'll do leprechaun and he'll enjoy it uh, you could never make him enjoy it but <laughs> At least you're not going to do Pumpkinhead. Maybe. We we just really like the nomination, if possible. So please, starting November 7th, go to podcastawards.com and thank you in advance.
thank you for joining us for this episode of the now playing Saw Movie Retrospective. Congratulations, you are still alive. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review for us on iTunes or post about us on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media avenue of choice. You can find more Now Playing Retrospective series at our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Series include Halloween, Friday the 13th, Star Trek, Terminator, and others. This is the most fun I've had without lubricant. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2010, and is not affiliated with Lionsgate Pictures or Twisted Pictures. Saw and all that the Saw universe contains are copyright and trademark Twisted Pictures, and no infringement is intended. We see Carrie Elways as Dr. Leo Marvin. What's his no, name? No, it's Dr. Larry Gordon. Dr. Larry Gordon. Not Leo Marvin. That's what about Bob? <laughs> that would be a horrible mashup. Walking by, these two guys passed out. It'd be a window display. Didn't you notice the dummy oh in the background God. all dressed up like a... Marjorie, or- you just figured out the trick to Saw 8. They're going to get Meshach Taylor and Hollywood is going to be <laughs> the new Jigsaw. That would be awesome. Doing the window display traps. I didn't see him. Maybe I missed that flashback. (laughs) And then at the end, the big twist is it's Andrew McCarthy all along. No, no, it's the guard. (laughs) The guy from Police Academy with his dog Rambo. I know way too much about Mannequin apparently now. (laughs) Oh, come on. If it was in 2010, they would have had Jigsaw posting on Facebook. (laughs) Or Twitter. Mark Zuckerberg, you stole from your friends to create the network. Now, will you cut off your own eyes to save your life? I could just see that. You can hear our review of the social network on our Facebook page. Now, Jigsaw has become relationship therapist. He's the Dr. Phil of torture. That sounds so awesome, though. (laughs) That would be an interesting Dr. Phil show. I'd actually watch that instead of the crap he has now. Brad, Ryan, Dina is between you. I cannot do it. No, you can't. So I just cut that out. Uh, Gotta have a blooper somewhere. Yeah. They got Carrie Elway's back. I didn't think that they needed to start introducing all of these new characters like they do with the INS agent. And INS? Immigration and Nationalization (laughs) Services? Is Jigsaw hiring illegals, Arnie? (laughs) Maybe he's He's got Mexicans in there setting up those traps and they don't have papers. Sarah Palin. You hated these people. Now you will depend on them for your life. No, it, it's an IA agent, not INS. Uh, thank you for correcting. See, Jacob, we really don't have much to do with the INS in this area. Like, they busted the one Mexican restaurant, and then they've never been heard from again. Well, they brought back Danny Glover's character for the video game, so... Okay. Are you saying you played a Saw video game, Arnie? As part of my research, I played oh, Saw, no. the official video game, and walked. Jacob, now you've known Arnie traps. for a number of years. He does not do anything small. I, I'm actually just kind of surprised there's a Saw video game. And the second one just came out, but I did not. Do have you want to borrow time. it? We can ship no. it to you. <laughs>
Perhaps I just didn't trust him I because love, he was. I love Arnie that you have so much faith in your horror movie franchises. <laughs> I think that is so cute because you had the same kind of faith in the Friday the 13th remake where you went in thinking it was going to be fantastic and it again disappointed you. And you think that every time. And I just, I really love I'm that about you. I'm the eternal disappointed optimist. Yes, you are. And I, I know because I could tell after the movie when you had that chagrined look on your face, like, oh, that was a load of crap. Well, anyway. But you know, Jacob, not that I usually like things poking in my face, but <laughs> is it Friday night so- already? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a big what the fuck, and it's not satisfying the way it was told. It's a twist that needed to happen, like you said, Jacob, but the way it was told was not satisfying. And why am I talking like Brock? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this leaves recommend or not recommend. Make your choice. Didn't we agree you weren't going to do that anymore? <laughs> no, we never agreed <laughs> okay. on that. Can we? <laughs> Yes, after this podcast, I won't do it anymore. Until Saw 8. If you could nominate Now Playing, we would... What the... What was that? that Is that a train? (laughs) Oh, he turned something on on his phone. (laughs) Don't touch anything.